are listening to the Unbreakable Moms podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Page. This podcast is for moms who want a close relationship with their teenage daughters. In each episode, I share interviews with experts who give us insights and tips to help us deal with the issues affecting our teens. We talk about everything from self-esteem to anxiety and depression to bad attitudes and to, well, anything and everything else that disrupts the peace in our family. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Tanya Crombie, a mom of teenagers herself and a life coach who just happens to have a doctorate in psychology. And like many of us, it's our own experience with something that allows us to discover our passion. And for Tanya, it was being a mom as her own daughter experienced anxiety. You know, we talk a lot about anxiety on this podcast because the spectrum of anxiety is so large. It can be a teen who worries about an upcoming test, or maybe your daughter has social anxiety, or maybe your child actually has full-blown panic attacks. Each of these situations is going to require us to draw on different approaches and skills as we help our own daughters navigate these different intensities of anxiety. But before we jump into the conversation, I have to tell you that something went awry while we were recording. And for whatever reason, call it operator error, I lost the really good stuff that Tanya shared at the end of our official recording. So you'll hear me abruptly stop speaking, but Tanya graciously recorded herself responding to the question that I had asked, for which I am so grateful that she took the time to do that because she shared a really interesting counterintuitive tip for us mom as we try to find ways to support our daughters who live with anxiety. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Unbreakable Moms podcast. Today I have as my guest, Tanya Crombie, who is a psychologist and a coach and a mom and a teacher, Um, definitely somebody who's an unbreakable mom for sure. But I asked her to come in here today to, to talk to us a little bit about managing anxiety in our children. It's such a common topic that we see, especially these days, you know, as of this recording, we're still kind of in a quarantine-like state where schools are canceled, work is pretty much canceled, uh, people are working from home. So anxiety levels amongst our kids and, you know, even for us as moms is a, a little high. So I thought it'd be really great to have Tanya come in here and speak to all of us. But but before we get to that, Tanya, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about what you do, where you work, and about the organization and company that you run. Thanks so much for having me first, Michelle. I'm really thrilled to be here. And like you said, we're at a time where a lot of people are experiencing anxiety. So um, I'm just thrilled to be here and just chat about it. So I, like you said, I'm a, I'm a life coach. Uh, I do have a doctorate in psychology. Um, but really the key to who I am and why I do what I do is I'm a mom. Um, I'm a mom of a perfect 
I'm actually two kids, but one of my kids, although perfect in every way, struggles with anxiety, just like some people struggle with asthma or, you know, we all, each of our kids have their unique things. And one of my children has struggled with anxiety. So it is something that's dear to my heart. It's something I've lived with. And I have just, um, as my own experience has grown, I found myself coaching other parents and experiencing some of the same things. And that's how I ended up with a coaching practice that's pretty much dedicated to parents of anxious kids. Mm. Great, great. I mean, I'm, and I'm sorry that's the journey that, that you're on, but I'm sure that many other moms can relate to, you know, having very anxious kids. Now, when did um, you first notice that anxiety in your child? Was it a very young age or did it suddenly just kind of come out or just creeped up over time? Well, it's, that's a great question because in hindsight, like with everything with our kids, it was, it's, you know, it's clear she had always struggled from infancy, really. She was, she was the kid who struggled to go to mother's morning out. If I left her at the church nursery, she, I'd pick her up and she was just like beat red. You could tell she had cried the entire time. Um, But we just, we kind of call that, it was her temperament. She was slow to warm. She struggled with new things. And then it built up. And uh, as she got older, we had some pretty significant life changes and move new schools. Um, and, and that's sort of when we started to think that there was more going on than just, um, it is her temperament, but it was, she was just struggling more. So we had to do some more things. Um, but I'm always careful when I talk about these things because I just don't ever want people to think that I'm saying something's wrong with my kid because I don't believe something is wrong with my kid. I really believe that both of my kids have their own unique beauties and struggles just like we all do. And she has some really the way I believe and I believe this with it's come true with almost every client I've worked with people who have gifts, some really amazing gifts, like being able to pick up on the feelings of others, often are what result in the challenge of anxiety. The people who feel a lot tend to also feel anxiety because they're feeling so much. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's something wrong with her, it's just that she's got to learn how to manage this amazing gift that she has. And I love that, that frame of it's not, there's nothing wrong. They're just, you know, they have a gift. It's just different than the, the rest of us. Now, let me ask you, your child with the anxiety, is she your oldest or not? No. She's my second. My, okay. oldest, my oldest, it's, you know, it's the funniest story that every parent who has more than one kid, a lot of parents can totally identify. So I had one baby and he was like super easy. He napped, he ate. And so I was completely convinced that I was a really good mother. <laughs> I knew, I was like, oh, and I kind of got a little smug and I'd go through the grocery store and I'd see another child having a meltdown and I'd be like, hmm, they must not have a good nap schedule or, you know, whatever <laughs> little snippy thing I'd be thinking in my head because I was so convinced that I knew what I was doing. So the way that God works the way that fate works, however you want to put it. Um, my daughter was born 16 months later, so they're very close in age. Mm. And everything that worked with my oldest son did not work with her. So it was such a huge, humbling thing to realize 
that I wasn't such a great mom. I just had a really easy temperament baby first. And then I had one who was harder to warm up and adjust to new things. And that's just how people are really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because, you know, in our family, my oldest is the one that has a lot of the, the um, anxiety and the anxious symptoms. And she is an empath, you know, she's overly sensitive to other people's feelings. So, you know, ex- everything that you just spoke of is true within our, within our family. But it just makes me wonder that as parents, you know, when you have your, your young children, you have no idea about this thing that can develop later of being overly sensitive, of be having, you know, living with anxiety and things like that. And I wonder if maybe at a, if what we can take younger parents and alert them to some of the symptoms to watch out for or how to start managing it as a younger age. Is that something that you also work with parents on and just kind of educating them on all of this? Definitely. Definitely. It's something I talk to parents of all ages all the time. Um, I do, you know, talks with moms groups and schools. And a lot of times it's, yeah, little bitty kids are starting to show some, some little things that um, if you aren't clued in, you would kind of go along and say, well, this is just how they are. We don't need to do anything about it. And what I try to recommend and, and granted, I didn't do this, I will say. So it's not, there's no judgment. There's no, you know, oh, if you don't do it right, you're not a good parent because I certainly didn't do it right. But in hindsight, like I said, I had learned a lot of things that I recommend parents start looking at and thinking about. And the one thing I love to tell parents, no matter what age your child is, mm-hmm. that if you can start helping them understand, this is how you work. That's a term I use with my daughter all the time. Well, actually both of my kids, I say it all the time because they both have different issues. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say, this is how you work. So you always have to be aware of how you work, that if you don't get a lot of sleep, you tend to be very emotional the next day, for example. And that's true with a lot of our little ones. Um, Or when you get hungry, you lose your temper and maybe have a tantrum. Or, you know, start getting, giving them the words and the language to understand it's normal, it's okay, it's how I work. And they also start to learn how to manage just the basics of how to regulate their mood, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then what, I mean, how do we help the, the parents and the moms of teenagers? I mean, because really this, this podcast is geared towards those moms with older children, the preteen teenage years where things have already um, started to accelerate, I'll say, you know, you throw in the hormones in that, lots of changes with, you know, different schools going from elementary to middle to, or junior high to high school. So there's a lot of situational changes going on. And I'm, and I can just, you know, see with my own children, that anxiety level increasing, increasing the expectations, the pressures, it's all starting to build. So, you know, what kind of advice can you give to moms of, you know, teenage children as they're starting to see this? And obviously they've, they've missed the early stage window when the kids were really young to have these kinds of conversations. Um, what, what could you tell them? Well, first, let me say, I feel you and I was you. <laughs> that, was, that was exactly where I was. I had kind of gone along. And then when my children hit middle school was when we moved 
to an entirely different state, city, school, friends, teachers, everything was new. So it was a it was a perfect storm. If any child was going to become anxious, that was when it was going to happen. And yes, puberty, hormones, liking boys, all of the stuff that happens. Um, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's where a lot of us are. That's where a lot of us start to see the consequences start ratcheting up, the pressure to make good grades. It starts to matter. We're starting to think about high schools and colleges and jobs and um, it is, it's a very stressful time anyway. And then if you have a child who naturally has the temperament where they're going to feel a lot of big feelings and react to stress. Um, I always have referred to my daughter as high highs and low lows because that's kind of her, who she is. Her high highs are amazing. She is jolly and fun and funny, but she also has low lows that go along with that. And I think that's kind of the trade-off when you have those high highs as you tend to have the low lows. Mm -hmm. So you got that kid who's going to have high highs and low lows, and then you throw in the teenage years. It is a, it's a perfect storm for most of them. Um, it's not too late when you say we've missed the boat. We haven't. That's the first thing I tell all my teenage parents. Um, teenage parents really have my heart because I have two teenagers right now. Um, I, I get it. I know <laughs> what your life is like, um, but it's not too late. Even that conversation, there's the little kid conversation of this is how you work. And there's that, that conversation is still going on at my house with 16 and 17 year olds. Um, this is, you remind them over and over and over again, this is how you work. Um, I still remind them you need sleep. Um, you can't eat junk food all the time. You, you know, notice your feelings. That, that's another big one that um, they need to learn in the teenage years because they're feeling big feelings and then they're trying to maybe avoid it or um, distract themselves. That's the thing I see with teens so, so much is we've got these amazing um, fun distraction tools that we can use at all times. It's in our hand. So I can just, if I'm feeling awkward or bored, I'll just start scrolling through my Instagram feed or look at Snapchat. Mm -hmm. And what we need to help encourage them to do without harping or nagging or, you know, scolding, because that doesn't work with them. It really doesn't. It just, they tune that out. But if you can, in a loving, kind way, remind them, you know, I notice you're, you're scrolling through your Instagram feed on the way home from school and you can just tell that the, it's been a bad day. You gently start asking, how was lunch? Just ask some basic, easy questions. If you say like, what's wrong? Did you have a fight with your friend? Did you get a bad grade? That's going to shut them down very quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you, especially our girls, um, the girls really will, um, you know, take a step back to too much questions. Actually, I shouldn't say girls because my son is exactly the same way. The worst <laughs> thing I can do with him is ask him a lot of questions. Three is probably too many questions for him. <laughs> but the, the easy ones like how was lunch and uh, what did you eat for lunch? Yes or no questions tend to be get a yes or no answer. So go with something that can't, they can't answer yes or no. Like, what did you have for lunch? Who did you have lunch with? Mm -hmm. um, 
and just see how it goes. Just feel them out from there, the easy softball questions and then see, but try and get them to step away from the device for a minute and start to decompress is a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, there's different intensity levels of anxiety that the, that the child can experience from just, you know, mild anxiety, you know, worrying about, you know, how they're going to do on a test or they have a lot of homework and starting to feel a little overwhelmed. And then obviously up to the level of where it's almost, it's basically a panic attack because they're so worked up over everything. Now, how can parents handle where there's somewhere in between where there, it's a little bit more than just being a little anxious about something, but they're really, it's really starting to consume them that these thoughts and these worries and they're really, you know, the parent is starting to notice some changes in behaviors, maybe not eating or not sleeping or even vice versa, you know, depending on how the child reacts. Um, you know, what advice can you give the parents that are starting to notice these um, signs in their child that, you know, that anxiety level is ramping up. Can, are there words that they can say? Are there actions that we can do to, to help kind of soothe and calm and create like a, a safe environment for them? Well, that's a really great question because that's really a very common place. I think a lot of parents find themselves, um, parents of teenagers, we find ourselves feeling that way quite often. So the first thing that I would say to any parent who's listening to this and heard your description and is thinking, yes, that's exactly how I feel right now. That's exactly what I'm worried about. Um, the first thing I'd say to that parent is you are so not alone and it sometimes feels like you're alone because this weird thing happens when our kids become teenagers. When they were small, we had like this awesome squad of parents, everybody who had babies, everybody who was, you know, doing mom, mommy and me classes or everybody who was dropping off at daycare. We all kind of supported each other and talked to each other and shared with each other. And it was very common for parents to say things like, oh, my kid just did this thing, whatever that thing was. My kid won't eat carrots or whatever. And there was always another parent who would say, oh, yeah, my kid doesn't eat carrots either. But when we reached high school years, one, we're not at the birthday party and we're not at the school you know, Christmas party or whatever is going on, we aren't there anymore. So we're not just hanging around with other parents having those conversations like we used to. And um, our kids are kind of living these lives and we, we value their privacy and we don't want to share things about their lives that, you know, we feel like might be disrupting to them or inappropriate or or, and we also have this weird feeling that no one else is talking about this stuff, so it must just be me. I'm the only one who feels this way. So 
that's my first baseline answer is you aren't the only person who feels this way. You aren't the only person who is going through this. Um, so take that in and know that if you're worried and you feel like your child's anxiety is starting to ratchet up, anxiety is the most common issue among our teenagers. So tons of us are experiencing it. And now I'm going to give you a tip that is going to feel completely counterintuitive. Um, but I just want you to kind of suspend disbelief and go with me. And I'll explain to you why my tip works. But it is going to be, like I said, it's counterintuitive. It's kind of the opposite of what you want me to tell you, the opposite of what you want to do. So your child, as Michelle just described, your child you can sense that their anxiety is starting to get a little out of hand or it's starting to be a, an issue. You can feel that it's ratcheting up and the pressure is ratcheting up and your child is, is starting to show some signs. So the first thing I want you to do is think about what you want your child to do. What do you want your daughter to do right now? Just think, don't tell your daughter, but think about like, well, if I can make my daughter do anything right now, I would make her exercise. I would make her um, get sleep. I would make her um, avoid some of the toxic people that she's spending time with right now. I might tell her that she needs to get a practice like she needs to start meditating or she needs to start doing some yoga or she needs to learn how to control her breath or she needs to use essential oils to help her relax or whatever it is. Think of that thing, those things. There's probably several things. She needs to take her vitamins, just, you know, whatever. So write a list of things that you would tell your daughter to do that you want her to do. And then I know, like I said, you're going to have some resistance when I say this, but just go with me on this. I want you to try to do those things. Try whatever, as many of those things on that list that you came up with, I want you to try to do them yourself. So if you said she needs a meditation practice, you try and get, get a meditation practice. If you said she needs to get more sleep, try and get more sleep. If she needs to get rid of toxic people or just avoid them, I want you to try those things. So if your brain is saying, this is crazy, my daughter's the one that needs help, I, I don't need these things, Tanya, um, let me give you a couple of things that are going to happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one, when you try to do whatever list you came up with, and maybe you're going to try just one of those things, or maybe you're going to try a couple of them at once, try as many as you can manage, but nothing that's going to overwhelm you, just like you would tell your own daughter. Don't get overwhelmed. Just do what you can, but pick something. Pick one thing. And when you pick that one thing, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get a sense of why it might be difficult for your daughter to do it. Um, you're going to get an idea of what obstacles there are to doing those things. And as you 
encounter the obstacles to doing those things. You know, why isn't it easy to get a good night's sleep? Well, here are the things that are getting in the way. That actually helps you strategize and come up with tips for your child because you've actually tried it and you know what goes wrong. Another thing, miraculous thing, that's going to happen when you try to do some of these things yourself is you're actually going to manage your own stress. And I can tell you as a mother, as someone who has been there, who has watched my own teenage daughter really, really struggle, um, and beyond the point of Michelle's question earlier about you see it starting to happen, my daughter and I went beyond that point to where there were some real significant struggles and issues and problems with her anxiety. And when that happens, my stress and anxiety was completely elevated. Um, and that's natural. These are our children. These are our babies. We want to, you know, there's nothing that's going to raise anxiety and stress in us more than seeing our children struggle. So as you practice whatever that list was or the one thing or the two things on that list that you picked to try, you are going to start managing your own stress and anxiety, which is mounting as you're seeing your child struggle. And as you do that, you will become a little bit more calm. And when you become a little bit more calm, I'm not going to say you're going to become a, a Zen master who can you know, meditate for 12 hours a day, but every little bit of calm that you can achieve because you're getting better sleep or because you are meditating or you're doing yoga or you're exercising or you're practicing some breathing techniques or you're using those essential oils, all that stuff that you're doing. Um, when you're more calm, you're more objective. So as your child is getting more stressed and that causes you to get more stressed, we lose our objectivity and we aren't able to really see what's going on and observe our child. So that level of calm that you're going to create in yourself will help you to be able to calmly observe your child. You're also going to not jump immediately into the reactionary mode, which is what we naturally do as parents. It is our job. When they are in trouble, we react. We take care of them. Um, but if you don't jump into that mode, um, actually it gives you a better sense of, like I said, objectivity. You're, you're observing, you're being objective, you're not reacting in the moment. So when you do react, it's more thoughtful, it's more calm, and you're also becoming more compassionate. And the way that that is happening, and compassion is probably, I would say, if I were going to name one thing that can help manage our kids' anxiety and our own anxiety, it's compassion. Because when you're trying these techniques, what you are doing is you're showing self-compassion. And self-compassion is the gateway. So start by doing nice things for yourself getting sleep, taking your vitamins, eating better food, all of those things, you're being self-compassionate. You're showing yourself compassion, which allows you to then show your child more compassion. It really does work that way. 
you're going to be more compassionate to everyone, not just the child who's struggling, but your other children, your spouse. And when you do that, your child, the one who is struggling, notices. So remember, we're talking about teenagers here, and teenagers typically do not do what we say. We can give them that list we came up with at the beginning and say, now go do all of these things. This is what's going to help you with your stress and anxiety. And they're not going to listen. But they do do what we do. They don't do what we say. They do what we do. So when we start modeling this self-care and we start showing ourselves some self-compassion, our girls, they desperately need to learn these techniques. And they learn them from us. And sometimes when I say model, it's just doing it. But I also think it's okay and probably a good idea to talk about what you're doing. So I, I will say things out loud. I will process. One of my little techniques that I like to use at my house and my dinner table is to say, you know what? I did this podcast interview today and I felt like I didn't really, I was kind of talking all over the place and I didn't sound that great. And I was really kind of beating myself up about it. And so what I decided to do is I came up with three things that I really felt great about. Things, three things I did today that I know I did well. And they aren't big things, but I'm really proud of myself because I did, and then I'll share. I did these three things. To come up, I want you to come up with three things you think you did really well today. And it just kind of shifts that focus because we tend to tell each other, here's the way I screwed up, here's what went wrong. And instead, we're going to demonstrate, here's how I practice self-compassion. Here's something that went wrong for me, and I could have beat myself up, but I instead, I looked for something else to celebrate. Now, why don't you try that? Or I was feeling super anxious today. And so instead of, you know, I had a big project due, I knew I was getting really stressed out about it. And I kept trying and I wasn't making any progress because I was so stressed out. So instead of keeping just beating my head against that wall, I sat down and I just focused on my breathing for 10 minutes. And you know what? After doing that, it was so much easier and I felt so much better. It's so weird because it's the last thing you want to do, but it really helps. Or I did a couple yoga poses or I actually took the dogs for a walk. You know, whatever, tell your kids those things you're doing. It's just like a little story about yourself. And that sort of, they make little mental notes. It makes a little connection in their memory of I wonder if that would work for me. I wonder the next time I'm really stressed and worried about a test, if I took 10 minutes and just walked the dog, I wonder if that would help. And the answer is yes, it will help. <laughs> As a psychologist, my answer is yes. But it will go so much more smoothly if that's the process they went through. As opposed to you going in and saying, you're too stressed, go walk the dog that it's it, they're in, in a sense of overwhelm and they will go right into fight, flight, or freeze. And typically what that means is they're going to fight with you. And you don't want to fight with each other. When your child is struggling with anxiety, 
it is you and your child battling the anxiety, not you and your child battling each other. And the battle, I shouldn't even use the word battle because it really, it's the battle to learn to accept anxiety. Anxiety is a normal part of being human. So as I said earlier in the podcast, you know, it's, it's related to my child's greatest strengths. It's something we've had to accept as part of her superpower. And the acceptance is really where we make progress. When we accept, oh, this is what I do. This is how I work. I tend to get worked up about these kinds of things. And when I do, these are the things I know that help me. And the way that they learn these are the things that help me is often by watching the adults around them and seeing the things that help them. So that's my kind of crazy backwards tip. It is, I like to call it the put on your own oxygen mask first tip because that's really what we're doing. We're gonna put on our oxygen mask and then when we are calm, centered, we're much better able to put that oxygen mask on the struggling teenager. Um, so if you like this tip, if this is something you're like, well, I, I'd like to kind of dig in deeper. Um, I talk in depth and lots and lots of steps uh, about doing these kinds of things in my book, um, which will be available in bookstores in early 2021. So it's a little bit of a lag. And because there's a lag, um, I'd love to offer a free downloadable copy to anyone who's listening who's interested. You can get it at From Anxious to Calm. That's all one big long word, from anxious to calm.com. If you go there and enter in your information, it will a free downloadable copy will be sent to your email address. Um, or if you'd like to listen to a little bit more of me giving some specific tips to manage anxiety, um, Michelle has a link that she can share in the show notes of a masterclass I just did for parents that I have. There's a recording. You can go uh, download it off of YouTube. I like to listen to stuff like that while I'm walking my dogs, as I just mentioned, um, or, you know, riding the exercise bike or whatever. It's kind of just an easy little thing to, as you're doing something else, as you're cooking, you can pop it on and listen. Um, and all of my contact information is going to be in the show notes as well, because uh, I'm happy to respond. If you have an email uh, question, if you just want to say, hey, this is actually what's happening with me. Um, I'll always be happy to respond. I'm happy to get on a quick call to discuss your situation. I'm actually talking to a whole, whole lot of parents as we record this because we are transitioning into summer. And as we end one school year, a lot of parents start thinking about how am I going to manage next year? Um, I've got a lot of parents I'm working with who are managing transitions, the transition from middle school to high school, the transition from high school into college, or they're in their last years of high school and are worried about how that, how do we start getting them ready to transition. Um, so I'm talking to a lot of parents right now who are, you know, worried about a lot of these kinds of issues. So if you have issues, 
um, like I said, you're certainly not alone and I would love to hear from you and would be willing to jump on a call or whatever to help you in any way that I could. So with that, it was so awesome talking to you today, Michelle, and I'm so thrilled to be able to connect with any of your listeners. If you have any comments, questions, thoughts, all of my contact information is below and I'd love to hear from any of you. Thank you so much for listening to the Unbreakable Moms podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tanya Crombie, a coach, psychologist, and a mom of teenagers. I loved when Tanya said that people who feel a lot in that they're overly sensitive tend to be more anxious, but there's nothing wrong with them. They're just wired differently. This is such a great message that we need to share with our kids, no matter what their age. And I'm actually curious to hear what your thoughts are about that counterintuitive tip that Tanya shared. If you're part of the Unbreakable Moms of Preteen and Teenage Daughters Facebook group, let me know there. And if you're not part of that group, you're more than welcome to join. If you would like to connect with Tanya, you can visit her website at guidanceforthefuture.com. There's also a free download of her book called From Anxious to Calm that she talked about during this podcast. And you can get a free download of that book because it's not published yet in hard copy for free. Just go to the website fromanxioustocalm.com. That's all one word, from anxious to calm. And of course, if you'd like to listen to the masterclass that, Ta- that Tanya taught on managing your child's anxiety, you can find it on YouTube. And I will share a link to that class as well as Tanya's website and where you can download her book um, in the description of the podcast below. I also want to invite you to become a sponsor of the Unbreakable Moms. There are four different levels of sponsorship available, each with their own perks and benefits. Simply click on the link in the details of this episode to be taken to the Unbreakable You Academy. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Unbreakable Moms podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, and share it with other Unbreakable Moms. I'll catch you next time.